Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org hardcore podcast coming your way. Episode 177. Steve Sweet here and the mobster from across the pond in the Iron Dam. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Having a good day over here, fella. We've got something current, hot, and interesting for you guys. So let's let's hit it, Steve. Yeah, so with this one, we're going to do the George Peterson death autopsy. We did an episode on George Peterson before talking about his life. And now, in talking about his, uh, him passing away, now we're going to update it. And this time, we're going to talk about the autopsy that came out. And a little bit about George Peterson, in case you haven't caught up to our prior episode and you don't know much about him. 37-year-old professional bodybuilder. He was found dead in his hotel room in Orlando, Florida, ahead of the 2021 Mr. Olympia show. And he was you know, expected to definitely... Um, either win it or get at least second or third place in his category. And he was found face down. His coach found him, tried to administer CPR, and he called 911, but it was too late. So at the time, it was assumed he had passed away from an aneurysm, which could have led to an internal bleeding or a stroke. And um, yeah. And that's, that's basically the story. But now we have the autopsy. Now it's really interesting what was in the autopsy. And this can change a lot of people's perception of what these physique competitors are taking. Yes. Because we yeah. were always under the impression that they were taking something different a little bit. And we'll kind of get into that. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek to that. But that's kind of really interesting, Mobster. So when the autopsy out, we can kind of go over it and see you know, and kind of talked about it, you know, we're not doctors, everyone out there wants to speculate, we're not doctors, but we're going to tell you some of the facts, and then kind of give us our opinions. So I'll jump in here, Steve, I mean, without going to the specifics, so we, we will go there in a second, guys. First off, it's, it's been a hot topic of the last few days, hence us doing this podcast, of course, and it's interesting, the back and forth between uh, gurus, specifically PED gurus and people who give out advice on, on use of anabolics and then use of growth hormone and so on and so forth. And obviously, as Steve says, the, 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 the crux of the matter comes down to our perception of whether or not PED use is damaging. And specifically, as Steve is hinting at here, that what we think has happened, and, and again, we'll get into the specifics in a minute, what's come out through the autopsy, isn't really that extreme in terms of uh, George himself. And so it's it's a fascinating thing where we've actually got an autopsy relative to something that's kind of now fairly recent. And, you know, the, the, the Steve and I and a, a lot of the other evolutionary podcasts cover the crazy stuff, the risky stuff, where we were talking about extreme insulin use, uh, use of DMP, use, overuse of diuretics, and so on and so forth. So those are the obvious things, and we'll get into those a little bit. But when you're looking at this stuff, you go, okay, what killed him? What you know, what was it? Did George push it too much? Was George, George doing crazy things? 
doesn't look like that's the case, which is kind of almost in its perverse way, Steve, a bit of a shock. Yeah, back to you. So it was TMZ that broke it on January 21, 2022, about his autopsy. So here's what the autopsy said. It said he died from sudden cardiac. I apologize if I'm messing up this word, but this hythemia from hypertensive cardiovascular disease. And Steve, then, Steve, Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve, it's rhythmia. <laughs> Thank you. This read me about yeah. I think I spelled it wrong. You were the big words. I think I have it spelled wrong here. I have the notes here. Um, I, I for the think it looks actually kind of okay to me. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to have to check on the spelling. I think I spelled it wrong for sure. But yeah, it, it, and, it, and they also said that anabolic steroid use was a contributing factor. Right. Here's the weird thing, though. His death was deemed natural, and he was yes. only 37 years old. So... Does it prove that anabolic steroids can shorten your life? Maybe, but Possibly. you know, it's 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 hard to know without knowing like his history and if he doesn't have like a medical record. I would be curious to see if his medical record kind of gave us an idea of why he's naturally dying at 37 years old. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. so this is a thing, this is a thing, Steve, and this is from other podcasts as well. So I'm gonna mention uh, Nick Judilli specifically, and he's standing in his podcast, he's sitting in his podcast. And he has, uh, I think it's a 14-page, double-sided, printed-off report from the autopsy. And he says, I'm not going to go into specifics. Like, you know, a simple fact of the matter is, and I don't want to be unkind either, but, I mean, they take out the organs and they weigh this stuff. They weigh the brain, they weigh the heart, they weigh your liver and your kidneys. An autopsy is really not a nice thing, guys. And it's why we don't like to hammer the point too much, because uh, families won't want to think of what's happened to their loved one in terms of, you know, do you want to find out why... X, Y, and Z died. Yes, but an autopsy is not a pretty thing. Now, uh, part of that, and Nick mentions this in his uh, podcast, is quite simply that the argument for the contributing factor here seems to have come down, Steve, not necessarily specifically to the use, which is what we're, we, we've anticipated, but the simple fact that those were the drugs that were found in the room, which sounds a bit strange because you can't really over, overdose on either of the two drugs. And then there was a really, really silly thing, and I'm going to have a little bit of a pop here at Nick's Pound Strength specifically, again, where he, because they'd used in medical terminology for two very commonly used steroids, said, and I quote, and it was kind of almost comical, and I'm trying not to laugh, really, they hadn't heard of these two steroids. Well, you have, Nick. You really have. So that was that was kind of stupid. And it kind of makes you, it's a little bit worrying. Not that Nick's power strength is about telling you about performance enhancing drugs. But if you're going to be involved in this industry, if you're going to be uh, informing people in the news, it would be kind of useful if you'd have done two seconds of research, Nick, and look this shit up. So this is a thing that's kind of an assumption. And it's a bit, and the point I'm making here, Steve, is, You've got Nick's pound strength, not understanding the medical name for two very common steroids. And you've got the person that's done the autopsy talking about steroids being a contributing factor in the death. And as you say, then saying it was natural will make your fucking mind up, sunshine. Uh, and the only reason that he's mentioned those two steroids is because they were happened to be found in the room. Well, then, you know, that's a bit bizarre. They happened then to go on to do a full-blown blood test and look for a bunch of other steroids. 
And as has been mentioned on other podcasts again, it was quite simply the fact that some of the steroids they would have been testing for would have been out of Georgia's uh, system. They were relatively short half-life. He's using steroids that are going to be in his system pre-competition. That's kind of obvious again. But it's one of those things where, in some perverse way, people like ourselves know more about the use of the steroids, how long you're in the system, whether they would show up in a blood test, and obviously, in this particular case, the fucking name, uh, versus other uh, informed sources, and that would include the coroner. So, yeah, let's get into it, Steve, in terms of what they was and, you know, how much we think they may have contributed. So I've seen the snapshots of the autopsy, and uh, I know, Mobster, you have as well. We could see what they tested for. They tested for a bunch of anabolic steroids, like Mm -hmm. 30 or or 35 different. Trend. Including Trenbolone, which we would have assumed he would have been on. But guess what? There was no Trenbolone metabolites found in the system. That was kind of shocking. But the two that we found in the system were Boldenone, which... As my officer mentioned, some of these gurus online don't don't understand that boldenone <laughs> is equipoise. Uh-huh. All right. Again, yeah. come on our forum and read our articles on boldenone and equipoise, and you would know that that is, you know, very common. You have the trade name and you have the medical name and you have different uh, different trade names and the way they're marketed as different different steroids, right? So we know it as equipoise EQ. Also, boldenone. Anyone who's used steroids knows what boldenone is. And I'm just shocked that some people who are taking steroids out there and doing fitness videos and bodybuilding videos don't know what it is. That's kind of that's kind of uh, depressing, but it's not surprising. Um, so, boldenone equipoise used by many athletes. I've used it many times. One of my favorite steroids. Great for increasing red blood cell count, as most all steroids do but it's also great when it comes to endurance and it's great at having mild, mild effects on the body where you don't get the crippling pumps on equipoise. You don't get the tired fatigue on equipoise. You don't get the crazy issues with, you know, high blood pressure and insomnia and, and bloat and all these other, and these androgenic side effects that accompany uh, a lot of these steroids out there. So he was using equipoise. We know that. The other one he was using, and the guy didn't understand what this was either, is Stanozole, yeah. which is Winstrol. Winnie. Yep. We know it as Winnie, and it's a very oh, common steroid. And I'm not shocked that he was using Winstrol ahead of the, uh, the day, you know, the night of before the competition that was in his system, because that's one you want to use the night before the competition for sure, so you can be as dry as possible when the judges take a look at you. And uh, yeah, Mobster, chime in on that one a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in here, Steve. Like I said, I don't think Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm having a pop at Nick's pound strength specifically because he is a pundit, he's reporting the news. And I mean, and I'll quote Nick Trujillo. Nick Trujillo on many of his podcasts says quite specifically, uh, some of the pros are getting annoyed because I report the news. And he says, so he calls himself a reporter. Now, there's a lot of back and forth in the industry with guys taking a, you know, if they get a, a negative comment made about them, they get upset. And he says, listen, I'm reporting the news. I am a reporter. Now, Nick's pound strength is the same. Then why is he so much of a hurry to put out a, a, a podcast that he didn't bother taking two seconds to look the stuff up? This is the same sort of thing if we saw something in the newspaper or on the TV. We accept a certain amount of bias. 
certain TV stations are left and certain TV stations tend to the right. That, that's just the nature of the beast. But to not look stuff up is just lazy. That's number one. Number two, as you said, these are just about, they're in the top five, certainly the top 10 of every steroid list of favorite steroids that pretty much anyone has ever used. I mean, funny enough, I haven't used either. But I know fucking Winstrol Winnie. I know EQ Equipoise. I know how common these are in cycles. And it's just, it's just kind of stupid. I can only think that there's this idea, and hopefully we're not guilty of it, Steve, because otherwise we'd have done the same damn thing the same damn day. As soon as the the the, the autopsy came out, there we was. You know, standing straight on that drum and banging, banging away, and and, and letting everybody know that we we've got the information. In reality, we take a bit of time. We go off and do a bit of research. We we watch the videos. We try to read those bits and pieces that we can in the autopsy, and we have a vague understanding, a better than vague understanding, in fact, of what these steroids are. And 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 that's without going into specifics of each steroid and what they do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Steve does those with with other people that we do on the rest of the evolutionary podcast so it, it, it's to me it's a little bit it's disheartening uh and it makes me think that these guys are literally getting a microphone getting a camera recording as quickly as possible in order just to get the information out and just to get their position pushed up on youtube and whatever else guys you need to stop doing that and you need to do five minutes of research call yourself a reporter do research call yourself a reporter Talk to more than one source. Nick Dragilli is doing that at the minute, and that's how his stuff's getting out of there. It upsets some people. Nick, a pound strength, pull your finger out. So do this stuff properly. And it, if you're going to upset people, which happens, at least do it for having spoken the truth and with some small degree of knowledge. You are in the industry. You're not reporting on racing cars on your Nick Pound strength. You're not reporting on horse racing. You're only reporting on one thing. You're expected to have some working knowledge of that from training in the gym, eating, eating a clean diet, and potentially performance-enhancing drugs. So there, there is that. As I said, these are very, they're just about the most common. If there's a top 10 list of steroids, these two are on there. So it's, it's kind of lazy reporting, and, and, and I don't want to see that kind of stuff going out there. Steve, you and I are not doing it. I don't think anybody on Evo does it. So that's the thing. And as I said, I mean, this is, I want you to address either one of these, Steve. In terms of the impact, what would you say was the impact on a person's health normally if they use sensibly? Well, um, you know, on you know, you're still going to expect some issues, you know, with with your organ strain. You know, if like if you're using a sensible dose of EQ, sensible dose of Winstrol, you're going to have some effect when it comes to cholesterol levels. Your cholesterol levels will probably be at two two twenty. When it's regularly at 180 or 190 total cholesterol levels, your liver values, you know, would normally be in the 30s. It'd probably spike into the 60s and 70s. Obviously, you'd want to be running liver support with Winstrol. You know, Winstrol is liver toxic. You can expect, you know, some issues, you know, some some mild kidney kidney strain. Really, really common. Some, um, you know, DHT effects from the Winstrol, the head hair. You're going to lose head hair depending on how much you're using prostate enlargement, depending on how much you're using. So those are the common side effects. EQ side effects are very mild though. So you're not gonna have much issue. So 
I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know how much of these we're using. We're going to speculate at the end of the show and give you kind of yes. a, an idea. But what we do know, because there's a third one, third thing that was found, and that was his testosterone levels were sky high. Yes. Yes. And when I first looked at where his testosterone levels were, I was really, really surprised because his testosterone levels were at 150 nanograms by a milliliter. And if you convert that into what we use in the United States, when we run blood work, we use nanograms per deciliter when we get, when we get our blood work done. So he came out 150 nanograms per milliliter. So if you yeah. convert that to deciliters, it's 15,000 was his testosterone levels. So for a normal healthy male, who's not on any type of hormones or anything, let's say he's a healthy male, his testosterone levels are going to be around 600 nanograms yeah. by deciliter. And if you run a steroid cycle, let's say you run 500 milligrams of testosterone a week, your numbers are going to be around 30,000 or 3,500. Okay. His numbers were at 15,000. That's yeah. freaking nuts. So that yeah. tells you right there, that he was running around 2000 milligrams a week of testosterone, which is not shocking because the, I'm sure the no. big guys, they run that, but I'm shocked that he would, that would be in his system the, the night before yeah. the competition. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I'm shocked. And that yeah. blew me away. And we're going to get into that later. Yeah. But what are your thoughts? Well, on this I'm gonna, I, I want to jump in here, Steve. I'm, I, as you know, I'm a big low dose fan and I talk about this stuff on the forums and I say, you know, you don't need to do over a gram total. You don't need to go, every drug there ever is you don't need to work you don't have to change your cycle every single time to a new drug that you haven't tried before and all this kind of stuff and some of the things that come up and steve's a blood test expert here so i rely on his particular knowledge we occasionally see guys saying oh, i don't think such and such is dosed very well and i'm only getting like a reading of 1500 and i pointed out you know as steve just said if a, if a normal fella's reading is 600 and you've got 1500 trust me there's something happening and it's anabolic you know, so you, you should be growing, you should be getting stronger, whatever else. And as he quite rightly says, you know, if it's a sensibly run cycle without going to an extreme or whatever else, and you get up above 2,000, you get up into the 3,000, yes, that, that means your stuff's dosed really, really well. And if you're not fucking growing on it, then you're not training, you're not eating and so on and so forth. But as Steve says, if you then go, okay, so let's take that up a level as the limit that we want an average kind of lifter that wants to do well in the gym, is training properly, is pre-eating properly, will will be gaining, and they'd, they'd have to be, you know, they literally have to have a leg off, not if we're on weight, for example. As Steve says, when you then look at a figure like, it's it's, it's in, in 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 another level again, and then again, as we just said, the night before a competition, this is when we start the game, which we're going to address in in, in a moment, the stressors on a person's system, the idea, I mean, guys, training in itself should be a healthy thing. Cardio should be a healthy thing, but you can obviously take these things to an extreme. You can cause, you know, blood acidosis. You can cause conditions where you've had to go to hospital because people have done too many reps in the gym. You can cause stuff where muscle breaks down and, 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 and that causes you issues. You can, you can overdo protein to the point, you know, it's, it's unlikely, again, you'd have to be doing this day, morning, noon, and night for days at a time. 
you can do extremes in water, you can do extremes in food, you can do extremes in the gym, and obviously you can do extremes with steroids. The issue here is what we, we would say the, the long-term, the cumulative effect of these kind of things. So it's kind of like when we get into this stuff where we say to ourselves, how long of a period of time was George or anybody like George at this level, Steve, and does that have a wearing effect? If staying in the thousands or 15,000s with only those two drugs in his system when he was tested, if he stays like that, and if he's like that level, the as you say, the night before a competition, how, how long has his levels been that high? How, you know, is this where he's staying on too long? Is this where he's using too much drugs too long? Has George essentially worn himself out by doing this for, you know, we know, we, we, we see guys on the forum again, where, where guys are on year round, three, four, five years, they've decided they want to have a child and, and, and they come asking for help. You've got to say to yourself, you know, when, when their TRT is 500 milligrams uh, and when they're on constantly, the wear and tear, the cumulative effects, Steve, that's where I think we could go in terms of, is there something to be learned from what George may have done? And are there other people out there doing the same sort of thing? Is it that cumulative effective? Is it the wear and tear, the hammering of the endocrine system and hammering of your ability to process these things constantly at a level? What's the ex example that we've used in the past, Steve, when we talk about revving an engine? If you take a Ferrari or a sports car and you sit there and the red line's 8,000 and you keep it at 7,000 constantly, guys, you're going to fuck that engine up. And arguably, this is what we're potentially looking at here, that a car... If George was a car, he was close to redline in terms of his anabolic use for a long period of time. And that that potentially, but it wouldn't be good for, if, you can, if you've ever been anywhere where someone who doesn't know how to drive is revving a car like they haven't got a clue what they're doing and they're doing three miles an hour while it's screaming up the road, you know something's going to happen to the car. You have to ask yourself if something like this is going to happen to your body. What do you think, Steve? Cumulative... Well yeah, yeah. So, I mean, see, here's the thing. Like, I've seen a lot of people downplay anabolic steroids, but, but you know, we know he was on at least 2,000 milligrams a week of testosterone, right? Straight testosterone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, we know. It was probably testosterone propanate, which we'll speculate on the show. But we also know he was on equipoise and he was on Winstrol the night before the competition. Those were in his system. So, let's say he was on 2,000 milligrams of testosterone and he was on a thousand or more milligrams of eq which i'm sure he was if he's if he's going to take 2000 testosterone why the hell would he only be running 500 eq that doesn't make any sense he's probably no. running a thousand or 1200 minimum of eq maybe in 1500 and then he's wanting rinstrol on top of it we know he's running a shitload of winstrol because he needs to dry himself out you know so Let's say he was running 100, 150, 200 milligrams of windshield. That's a lot of gear right there just to be running yes. the night before the competition, not to count the other stuff, which, you know, he's probably running a, a bunch of AIs because you have to, obviously, with all that water retention. Now, some guys are genetic freaks. They can run a shitload of testosterone. This is why I was shocked that he was on this much testosterone, because if I ran 750 milligrams of testosterone, which I had before, I'd blow it up on that. Even with an AI, I blow it up on it, especially from stacking something like D-ball with it or Deco with it or something else, mm. you know? So I'm shocked that he's running 2,000 and he was that dry, you know, ahead of the competition. Yes. That's what shocked me here. So I think 
I think he was definitely number one, a genetic freak, but I also think he was on a ton of AIs too, which were not, doesn't seem to be tested in, in the autopsy. They didn't test for aromasin, but I think he was on a shitload of aromasin and that's which we'll get into. But here's the interesting thing about this uh, mobster is when I first saw it, I thought he was on nandrolone, which, you know, decadurabolin or phenylpropionate, nandrolone phenylpropionate, because though nandrolones can spike your testosterone levels too, because yeah. they are a testosterone derivative and their only difference is the atom change. So it can show up on your blood work as testosterone. But when you look at is when you look at the autopsy, nandrolone was tested and it was negative for nandrolone. So yes, yeah. he was on a shit ton of testosterone, at least 2000 milligrams, which is shocking to me for a physique competitor like him to be on that much. Because like I said, if you're on that much testosterone, you're going to bloat when you're on that much testosterone. So I'm personally was shocked to see that. I'm going to jump in here, Steve. There's a couple of factors that kind of concern me, and, and, and you're, you're going in the right direction because one of the guys is there's a, a post-mortem, in other words, after death, guys, potassium reading can be quite high. In other words, it's part of the dying process. When you die, your potassium reading can spike, and that's literally a natural thing in and of itself. You know, you're alive, they take a blood sample, it's this level, you die, they take a blood sample, the levels are higher. So there was a higher potassium reading, and Nick Tridilli specifically comments to the effect of what I've just said. And yet, as Steve says, no diuretics were found in the system. So this makes me believe, and it's getting to the genetic factor here, Steve, that George is a fucking freak in terms of him being able to stay lean potentially, as you say, with the use of AIs to inhibit estrogen and water retention and so on and so forth. But he must be an absolute fucking freak or was an absolute fucking freak to be able to be that lean with these drugs in his system, with the readings that he had, and to look the way that he did in competition. I mean, here's the thing. One of the comments was that his consistent dryness, his consistent condition of the last several years of competing was one of the things that stood out about him. So I can only assume that he was, I mean, again, this might argue with the wear and tear stuff that I mentioned in regards to excessive exercise, because you can potentially argue that maybe he's done a shitload of cardio to get his condition down. Uh, one of the potential risk factors, which is not mentioned here, is for example, the extremes of people doing stuff with saunas, this includes making weight, because George was a 212 competitor. So for example, the, the, and yet the uh, autopsy found him to be well hydrated. So well hydrated would not suggest someone who's sitting in the sauna sweating it out and just to make weight, or someone who's sitting in the sauna sweating it out just to look dry. If well hydrated suggests the opposite, but then there's no diuretic, diuretics in the system, Steve. So you go, you know, is, is, what, what is he doing? Is it excessive cardio? Even that would leave a blood marker, you know. You, again, as I mentioned earlier on, I forget in the particular uh, medical condition, Steve, where you've had people do a thousand squats or something like that, and it ends up creating a kind of acid, acidic condition in the blood to the point where they've had to go to hospital. There's a particular name for it, which escapes me right now. And, and yet, none. again, these are the markers that they're testing for. These are the things that you would expect to see, and yet we're not seeing them. So, you know, that, I mean, and, and I think something to comment, and you make this in, in the article that we're going to attach to this podcast, where uh, other commentators have said, has the coroner been too quick to judge 
in terms of how he's described this death versus the signs that we would expect with our more specific knowledge. I mean, the coroner, obviously incredibly well-trained, at least the whole point of his in that particular position, but he's not necessarily going to be specifically trained in the likelihood of things that high-end athlete and specifically here, uh, PED use and bodybuilders would do in order to get into shape. And again, there's something else, Steve, as well, because obviously one of the comments that we've made in previous podcasts is the number of deaths this year. And we specifically addressed in the previous one the uh, use of diuretics and DMP and other uh, drugs that were being given uh, as uh, suggested uh, fat burning cycles and uh, competition cycles for female athletes uh, to the point where one particular guru was uh, called out and named and shamed in terms of his own behavior and the advice that he was giving to these athletes to get them into condition and obviously causing some health problems and arguably people saying, you know, that he had a role to play in, in some of those athletes' deaths. So these are the things that we're looking for. These are the arguments that we're looking at, and yet we're not seeing those things here, Steve. I mean, you, you mentioned in the podcast, I'll let, I'm sorry, in the article here, the, the organ, the, the heart rate, for example, if you want to go on that one. Yeah, yeah, I apologize. I thought you were going to comment it. Yeah, um, his heart, his heart was 500 grams. And, you know, um, look, at the end of the day, I'm not a heart expert. Mobster isn't a heart expert. These online gurus and who pretend to be so smart aren't heart experts. If I ever get a heart attack down the line, hopefully it's not for at least 30 years from now, <laughs> you know, but if I ever get a heart attack, I'm not consulting with one of these online gurus or Joe Rogan or uh, some stand-up comedian or some guy on Facebook, I'm going to contact the best um, heart doctor in my region, not in my city, not in my county, but in my region and possibly even my state, <laughs> you know, because I want to go to the absolute best heart guy. So is 500 grams high? And from what I found online is the largest, the high end of the range for a human male is 350 grams. Now you got to keep in mind, George Peterson is an athlete, quote unquote athlete, if you want to call a bodybuilder an athlete. And they also, he's also a very large human being. And he's also, you know, working out his heart every day for the past decades. You know, um, he's 37 years old. So I'm assuming he's probably be an athlete since he was seven years old, like literally probably doing some type of sport every day since he was seven years old, even since he was three years old. Okay. Very, very active. So he probably has a really strong heart, but it's not necessarily a good thing to have a large heart like that um, because it's going to shorten your life. There, You don't have 70-year-olds out there who have 500-gram hearts, all right? You don't have 70-year-olds out there who are 350 pounds obese. You don't have seniors out there who eat eight meals a day and, you know, takes, you know, tons of stimulants and drink energy drinks all day. There's a reason for that is because their heart simply will not withstand that. And that's why you see people dropping dead in their 40s and 50s of heart attacks these days, because they're too damn big. They have put too much pressure on their heart and your heart can only beat so many times. Something that jumped in here, Steve, and there's a few comments because we're getting to the specifics that they've tested for. And you make an, another point and mentioned in the article that a lot of these health parameters are quite good. Uh, again, it's a, one would hope from the training and nutrition for sure. But equally, as Steve says, is the wear and tear thing, which I, where I alluded to earlier when I talked about revving that engine. 
something else which has occurred, and I remember reading about this with Robbie Robinson back in the day, Steve, so there's old school for you, where he had, a, 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 again, an, a, a, the athlete having a larger heart is not unusual. One of the issues that can occasionally happen with the larger heart, and again, it's one of those very small things that I seem to remember, is that one of the causes of arrhythmia isn't just literally the electrochemical signals that make the heart beat a specific way. So for example, you guys that suffer sometimes from anxiety is where there's electrical chemical and in some cases mental signal creating electrical chemical signal and your heart races or your heart feels like it's not beating with its normal rhythm. And so you can sense that. And of course those chemicals flushing through your body is gonna make you feel like shit anyway. One of the issues that occasionally happens with the enlarged heart and specifically what we're talking about here is that fucker's beating up against the size of your ribcage. And that ain't good. It's meant to be floating in there somewhere, guys, you know, in between your fucking lungs and at the top of your stomach. What it's not meant to be doing is bashing up against things inside with the pulse, with the beat. And that in itself can cause problems. And I seem to recall, Steve, I think it was Robbie Robinson, possibly because I believe, uh, like a lot of uh, uh, black people, that's Afro-Caribbean, Afro-American and so on, suffering from a sickle cell, that he had a medical condition that when he flew, he would hold water worse than most people on an aeroplane and his heart would swell or he would have problems with chemical balances again to the point when he would have to take a pill when he went on a plane because otherwise it was heart was beating up against the side of the rib cage and causing him problems. And again, I think there's a combination of two things here. So I'm, I'm going to say, potentially, Steve saying, when, when his heart is nearly 50% bigger than it needs to be, that's obvious. That's uh, a red flag. When you are training, as Steve says, arguably, I'd like to know more about George's history, but how hard was he training back in the day, Steve? Was he a really good high school athlete? Did he push himself as a wrestler? Did he push himself on the sports field as perhaps a you know, basketball player or, or American football player? Was there stuff going on that he was not physically perhaps giving himself a, physical, a break, right? He was, a, you know... In terms of, I mean, all the other signals, so many flags that you would look out for. Wasn't an angry or, or, or nasty guy, very well liked, easy to get on with, very popular fella. All the other markers that you would look for, the, 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 the coroner's gone and he's looked for these things. He's looked at, you know, that potassium level, like I said, he's looked at the diuretics, he's looked at what levels of water, he's looked at other markers that you would expect to see. So you, you you look at these things, and again, this is the stuff that's probably confusing the industry in terms of us. We want to give out advice that's sensible. We want to give out advice that keeps people safe. When we've had the number of deaths that we've had in the last two years, well above the average, when the, just, just the, I think yesterday, there was a bodybuilder 40 something years of age, another one, 37 years, we say with George, 30, 37. The number of athletes that have in, in their 40s, this, this just last two years, as I say, dropping down dead from arguably extreme uses of PED, from arguably extreme stressors, and potentially the whole issues with vaccine use and so on and so forth that's been talked about with a lot of athletes outside of bodybuilding. And George is not coming up with any of those markers, Steve. He's not coming up with any of those flags above and beyond the two that I've mentioned, the, the enlarged heart, and, and the slightly higher than normal potassium reading, and even that's explainable. The, the, the very, very high level testosterone makes me go back and think perhaps that George ultimately 
had his foot down on a pedal too hard, too long. As an example, Stephen, I'm sure you've done this with athletes that you've spoken to and people that we've addressed and assisted on the forum. Time off. And not just time off PEDs, time off training. Time off sometimes the extremes of types. What do you think, Steve, in terms of this sort of advice that we would give out? To, if we were coaching, you and I, if we were coaching athletes, we, we sometimes we have to include time off that when you're off the gas, guys, when you're not pushing so hard, when you need to yeah. take time out. Sometimes even literally before we would get them on a new cycle, we want them almost to go right back to the beginning in terms of their PED use and in terms of their training or whatever else so that we can have a good run-up to peak them. So, you know, is there, is there an argument for perhaps too much, too much, all the fucking time? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, every pro sport, soccer, football, yeah. hockey, yeah. baseball, they have off-seasons. Then they start getting into the season. They have a training camp or they have like a, you know, preseason before you hit the regular season. So you kind of slowly build yourself up for the regular season. You don't go and take a break and then just 100% back in. No, you slowly come back in and then you hit the regular season. Then the regular season lasts a certain amount of time. Then you have the playoffs if you're lucky enough to make the playoffs. And then you, that's it. And then you have the off season again to give your body a rest. So a lot of ignorant people might say, oh, we should just have sports year round. Uh, why do they ha only have sports four months out of the year, five months out of the year? And then the rest of the time, they don't do anything. Well, that's why your body needs a rig. We're not robots made of steel and iron. We we're very we have very sensitive flesh and, and tendons and stuff like that. And it's also to give your mind a break. So it's not just giving your body a break, but it's, it's your mind a break. So absolutely, you have to. If you don't take your time off as a bodybuilder, as a weightlifter, and your body is going to punish you, your body is going to force you to take time yeah. off because your yeah. body is going to start flaring up with discs in your back. Your shoulders are going to start flaring up and you're, you're, you're not going to be able to have strength in your, in your upper body lifts because your shoulders so messed up. Your joints are going to start screwing up and then you're, it's going to be painful to go work out. So you can either take breaks on your own and be disciplined about it and leave the ego out the door and accept that you are going to have to take a step back or your body will punish you. And sometimes your body punishes you to the extent of too much punishment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what happens sometimes, you know? I'm going to adjust this very quickly, Steve. I've looked at peak performance and, and we had something over here. I don't know if it still exists called the coaching foundation. And it came around the time of the Olympics. And the idea was that uh, coaches, trainers, uh, gurus, whatever you like from all over the UK, different sports, would look at the best example of coaching in a particular field. So if it was an American weightlifting coach, for example, then a British weightlifting coach would go, this guy's super successful. What is he doing with his athletes that makes them so fucking good? And we should copy what he does and produce super successful athletes ourselves. So an obvious example, and you talked about this in previous podcasts, is with American football. And I've done it with rugby. No one gets played, no, no one plays the whole game. No one. And no one plays every single match. Every single game, never doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. You might, may, maybe you'll get uh, someone if killed kicks the, the field goals because he's only on the pitch you know, for a few minutes a game. But no one's running up and down, flat out the whole game, every single game. And this used to happen. And of course, what you'd happen you'd have at the beginning of the season, 
you'd have some amazing games, some fantastic matches, some brilliant performances. And by the end of the season, guys were hurt. They were, they were fucked. They were off the field. They were injured. Knees are gone. Hips are gone. Shoulders are gone, like Steve says. And and the performance, you've got, you know, a 20-goal game at the beginning of the season becomes a three-goal game at the end of the season. Why? Because they were worn out. So ultimately, what the, all of these things does, this is why you have large football teams in, in the States, and we have reserve players on rugby matches over here, just to use the same sort of comparison. And you you will even have times where they will have a certain, they will have different parts of the team not all necessarily training together, but on different programs to peak at different times of the year. So that if you've got a huge match coming in the mid, mid, middle of the season, I want my best players playing then, but I don't necessarily want my best players playing for a friendly. And so this happens. And they realise you have now, with a lot of coaching, where they will do mini peaks. So you'll have three or four times a year where a person's at their, their, close to their best level. And then they will ease off after that for three weeks and then peak back up again. The problem sometimes with bodybuilding, and I'm going to get into the drugs again here, guys, but we will talk about the drugs in a second, is some of our listeners, some of the members of the forum want to do lots of drugs all the fucking time. Or they want to train balls out all the fucking time. Or, you know, if you, you can't run, if you run 10 miles a day, you can't do, go up to 20 miles and do that for a week. You can do it for a couple of days, maybe. You can't go flat out constantly. So there's another argument here, Steve, which also applies. I don't know necessarily that it applies for George. I don't, but it can arguably be applied for the guys that have had to compete in order to qualify more than perhaps they wanted to, which I've mentioned in a previous podcast. And what I'm saying there is that in, in, for the person that would ideally compete and win a competition, qualify for argument's sake for the Olympia, and then go and do the Olympia. It's only got to compete twice. Uh, now, back in the day when we weren't that high on performance-enhancing drugs, the stresses on the body, especially with the drugs, of course, are not necessarily as bad as they are now. But because of the extremes of behaviour and extremes of performance-enhancing products, then you are, in a couple of examples, talking about athletes that have had to compete six times which in the old days without the drugs wouldn't have been that big of a thing. And maybe also in the old days, you weren't seeing sometimes the conditions. Again, the 212s tend to be better conditioned uh, as, as are the classic versus, say, for example, the open. So again, we're back to what I said earlier on, which is on drugs for longer, on higher amounts of drugs for longer, and out of necessity, because you've got to compete more. Arguably, Steve, also staying in condition or look in a certain way, possibly for sponsors, possibly for posing exhibitions, and arguably, perhaps, even just for that person themselves, wanting or thinking that they need to stay looking a certain way year round. In reality, what should happen, guys, and this is a, a, one of the things that lots of people in outside of the industry don't always appreciate, and Instagram, again, can be guilty of this, where, for example, you peak for the Olympia, you look absolutely fucking amazing. It is not unusual for those athletes to go off and do a bunch of photo shoots for days afterwards and try to maintain 80, 90% of the condition they had on stage, the one that won them a competition, the one that got them a top three, and then do a bunch of photo shoots straight after. And then especially with the magazines, as they used to, then release those photographs over months through the whole damn year. So you'll say, oh, it looks amazing. 
in reality, all of those photographs, all of those photo shoots were done two weeks after. Now with the modern media and with Instagram, you might arguably, Steve, be looking at guys that feel the need to stay in that kind of close to competition condition for commercial purposes all year round. And then we're back to what I said earlier on, which is that revving engine. So they're not getting themselves a break. They're not taking time off. They're not easing down from the peak that Steve referred to. So there's there's a, there's an argument there for. And even worse, well. that's a good point. But even worse, the fans of those people see that, and they make yes. the assumption, yeah, I can be like them, I, and I, I can just yeah. look good, you know, hundred percent at my peak year round. And if I drop even two percent or five percent down from that peak. I've got to freak out and people are going to give me a hard time because I'm reading on his Instagram. He's posting a picture where he might look 10% worse and people are giving him a hard time and making fun of him yeah. and calling him fat and call, and saying, Oh, you're, you only have a six pack. Where's your eight pack and giving him a hard yeah. time. So they feel the obligation to do, do the same thing. So this is yes. why it's so much better just to stay away from that bullshit. You know, stay away from the Instagram, stay away from that crap. If you're following people on Instagram and YouTube and all this stuff in the fitness industry, it's so much cleaner just to get rid of it and just stop following them and just quit following the noise of all that. I'll bullshit. jump back in very quickly, Steve, before we get into the drugs, something that's just occurred to me again, and I'll use Larry Wills as an example. Larry has in, in and of himself, and with some of the athletes that he's done collaborations with, been very, very close a couple of times. There's some, some pretty serious injuries. He's had a couple of injuries himself that could have been a lot worse than he was. And some of the athletes that he's done collaborations with have had injuries as a result of the stuff. And so there's an issue even for the weightlifting side, never mind the bodybuilding side. In order to sometimes get the likes, to get the views, to get the traction, they are doing stuff year-round stupid things really that you know if you were just guys in the gym and an off-season kind of shape with a, you know a big old sweatshirt on well heated well warmed up not doing the not doing it for the looks not doing it for video goofing around you might get away with and even then there's an issue um i'll give you a very quick example so old school story so essentially you've always got the stories about my buddy could come to the gym and my buddy could bench three plates and in reality, your buddy comes in, he warms up one plate, two plates, gets the three plates, reps it out. That's his thing. And, and that's his stick. And everybody's like, hey, I can always bet three plates no matter what. One day your buddy comes in and this is what happens. And he's done this a couple of times and got away with it. He's come in. He hasn't even taken his coat off. He flops on the bench. He goes, I can do this any fucking day of life. And he takes it and he cranks out a rep and he puts it back and doesn't get injured. Third time he does it, the fucking pet comes off the boat. What's happening now is that potentially you're looking at these kind of things again where people are doing stupid fucking shit for the likes. That's in weightlifting. You're doing guys that are specific athletes, again, pro ball, doing things that have nothing to do with pro ball and getting injured. You've got guys now that have it included in a contract, but they're not allowed to do certain things, stupid stuff like they can't go to Disney or they can't do, they can't go golfing. That, they're insured so that their shoulder can't get ripped up, that their elbow can't be fucked or whatever else. And it's stupid stuff like, so you're okay with someone who weighs 300 pounds crashing into me with the pads and stuff on on the field. Yes, you're insured for that, but you're not insured to go off and play with the kids at Disney. You can't do that stuff because you could fall over and hurt yourself. And then we've lost you and we don't we lose our advertisers. So there's a bunch of stuff there. Now, like I said, with Larry Wills, just the other day, uh, doing a collaboration with a buddy. And, and I think it was four plates, or was it five plates? So four plates for sure. 
falls out of his buddy's hands and lands on his chest. And you're going, okay, guys, right? So you're in a, a Dubai gym. You're not wrapped up. You're not you're not all sweatshirted up. You're not keeping super warm. Perhaps it's warm enough in the gym, but you're doing stuff sometimes just for the video instead of having extra spotters there, instead of doing this stuff in a power rack. So there's arguments out there for these risk factors again, guys. And again, I think the thing that the, the industry as a whole has struggled with here is that we're trying to get our heads around the reasoning. We're trying to get our heads around the whys and wherefores. And obviously, as a whole, it reflects in two, one of two ways. So Steve's already addressed one, which is the influence on everybody else. Is the behaviour, and I'm talking about training, nutrition and drugs again, of high-end athletes influencing those guys that aren't high-end athletes, male and female, we want to make sure that we give out good advice. We can talk about extremes because it's entertaining, and that's part of what we do in this podcast. But we need to be focused, and this is the industry as a whole. It's why Dave Palumbo's looked at it, it's why Nick's looked at it, both the two Nicks and looked at it, and they're saying, we're trying to work our way around the autopsy. We're trying to see where the mistakes are being made. We're trying to make sure that we, we learn something from this. We pass that information on to you. That's really, really important. And, it, and it, whether it's, it's an extreme use of performance enhancing drugs or whether it's extremes of physical behavior, tra training, whether it's, as an example, which we've addressed in a previous podcast, eating fast food, every fast food on your menu, Carly, uh, Carly Muscle, just because those videos probably got you more traction than him training in the gym. It was an, a, a stupid behavior that isn't something to be admired, isn't something to be copied, and so on. It's the thing that's with George is that we're not, I'm, the only thing I can think of, Steve, is just that nonstop training and staying in condition. That, that's not going to be really addressed in an autopsy. It's not but really the autopsy only told you what, that, that day. Yeah. 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 We don't know his yeah. history. Yes. And, you know, without seeing his medical history and not without seeing, you know, a steroid report of what's in the system, like, yeah. A month prior, a year prior, yeah. five years, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It, you know, like these guys in his situation, like George, they've been using steroids since they were teenagers. Yes, They've been pounding their bodies in the dirt since they were teenagers. They've been taking stimulants since they were teenagers. They've had these medical issues that have built up over the course of years. And without him, without seeing, you know, his heart, did his heart weigh 600 grams a month prior, two months prior, and then yeah. it went down to 500. Did it weigh even more than that? Has it weighed 500 plus grams for the past 15 years? How heavy did he get in the off season yeah. versus being on stage? Exactly. So, I mean, how, this how is, we, without seeing that, it's really hard. This is, this is why everyone's like, oh my God, his autopsy didn't show what happened. It's because it's just a snapshot and you can't, you can't take what you did prior affects today. We can make one mistake in life, you know, can ruin your life and your life in prison, you know, just from one mistake. So, I mean, we got to include what he did in his past. We're not going to, we can't let that go. And uh, without knowing that we're just speculating, but we could speculate. He was on, he's used Tremblone before. Okay. Yes. Yes. We could yes. speculate that we could speculate. He's used other steroids, other oral steroids, which give your liver a beating. He's used other steroids. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to give you a steroid cycle. 
that based on the autopsy says, and that's, you know, the following 2000 milligrams of testosterone propionate per week. Yeah. That's my guess that he was running propionate. He could have been running sipinate. I'm not really sure, but to run that much testosterone and still be lean for your competition, you're going to have to run the aromacin and the letro. And those are AI. So he was running probably a crap load of those. They didn't find diuretics in the system, which probably means he hadn't taken them yet, obviously, which probably means he would have been taking them later that night or the next day, or maybe he was going to take them, but he didn't because he wasn't feeling well. So that was, just because it wasn't in the system doesn't mean that these bodybuilders aren't taking diuretics ahead of their competition because you damn right they are. Now, they're going to have to time it properly. Maybe he was taking it an hour, two hours, three hours before, whatever his coach wants him to do. Maybe he was taking it six hours before. I don't know. Um, but, you know, just because it wasn't a system doesn't mean he's not, he's not fucking with diuretics. Every competition, he's fucking with diuretics. And if he does four or five competitions a year, he's fucking with diuretics, which can fuck his body up. Go ahead, Monster. Something which occurs to me is, Steve, is it, this is, comes down, and this is not a dig at the, of the coroner by any stretch of the imagination. Again, highly qualified medical expert here, guys. It's quite simple. How many people has he done autopsies on, and he really shouldn't be that big of a number for fucking obvious reasons, because they should be healthy, but how many times has he had a muscular athlete on the table? Almost never. And in fact, what sometimes happens in these situations is they will refer to the, the, the information that they have. So they will look at medical examples. They will look at, oh, such and such, you know, died in a car crash. He weighed 300 pounds. He had 25 inch bicep, blah, blah, blah. There'll be very few examples of that in the media that they refer to. And he might, for example, have zero knowledge and therefore not look out for certain particular markers, not look out for, for, for example, when, when, when Nick Trudilli refers to the 14-page double-sided document, he doesn't mention that how many drugs were looked at. He doesn't say, for example, off the top of my head, it may be an autopsy, but he doesn't mention in his own podcast the rec whether the recreationals were tested for, because, again, it's one of those things, was this found? Do I need to test for it? Hence the reference to the two drugs that were found and were tested for. And as Steve said, other drugs were looked for. But again, it's one of those things you go, what's his knowledge of bodybuilding? What's his knowledge of the extremes of bodybuilding behavior? And us gurus, we would say, well, I know athletes that do this. I know athletes that take that. I know that this is what is typical for an athlete in competition. And therefore, what we're looking for should we be qualified or advising uh, a coroner what to look for is different. So it's the other thing. It's not going to have too many super ripped, extremely muscular, uh, 212 pound athletes on his table. He's just not. And he won't have the necessary work. Enough. I mean, it's the reality of the situation. And this is all very distasteful and, and, and distressing, especially as we say for the family. But it's just going to have normal people on his table, Stephen. Most people aren't as fit as they should be. Most people's cholesterol levels could be better. Uh, the American, and up to the lesser, lesser degree, the UK levels of obesity are increasing. So to put it crudely, he's going to have fat fucks on his table. He's going to have people that are obese, people that smoke, people that do recreational drugs, he's going to have people that died in a car crash. He's not going to have too many muscular bodybuilders on his table, and he won't necessarily know what to properly look for. 
sometimes if this for example was a murder investigation you say well what was found what was the weapon and you know he'll look at what he sees the injury is and then we'll try to put that together with the weapon same thing in regards to you know we'd expect a crack addict to have markers we would expect you know to be looking for where a person's injected the drugs for example and all these kind of things uh, how many times he's going to have a lean muscular bodybuilder on the table and to know what to look for it's as simple as that so it's one of those things guys where what we would look for in terms of whether it's the drugs that we're about to suggest or or, or the behavior the coroner won't necessarily know these things it's just might be outside of his experience this may well be the first muscular bodybuilder he's ever done an autopsy on sleep and as it's getting to this you say already in regards to the test prop winstrol uh, we, we know for a fact, obviously, guys, and we're talking about, we think, 150 milligrams a day because, again, this is a relatively lean bodybuilder the day before a competition. I'll, I'll mention the next one, Steve, which obviously, again, is mentioned in, in the blood test and the results. 1,500 milligrams of equipoise. Now, that's extremely high, of course. It's very, very high. Uh, but, again, super lean, conditioned, 212 compared to that, the day before a competition. What about the last two drugs, Steve? Yeah, there's a good chance, too. They didn't test for insulin, but I'm, I'm really suspecting that he was also on the HGH insulin yep. stack as well, and that wouldn't yeah, surprise yeah. me. But his coach would probably have him, you know, drop the insulin at some point. So, you know, we're talking 15, 20 IUs of HGH and then 10 IUs of insulin in there as well. And HGH is not going to show up in something like this, HGH is in and out. It's a peptide. Um, I don't suspect that. I didn't see it tested or anything. I don't. I don't suspect that. Why, the, why would they? They wouldn't test yeah. for it. I mean, yeah, because it's not going to be. It's not going to show up as a metabolite, so it wouldn't show up in something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's and with HGH especially, not necessarily insulin, which is different, of course. But with HGH, it's kind of hard to overdose on. You'd have to be. You'd have to have some medical issue to begin with in order to fuck this kind of stuff up. You're more likely, guys, to have some sort of extreme reaction to the simple fact of injecting, full stop, any drug. And we know that that occasionally happens where people have anxiety attacks just from, you know, get breathless and excited just from injecting properly. You'd have more likely to have some sort of issue from a contaminant than you are from certain particular drugs. And I mean, again, the example that we talked about in the past, and this has been addressed before, you know, you can overdose on aspirin. You can overdose on paracetamol. You can overdose on many over-the-counter drugs that you're quite legally entitled to walk into a shop, pay pennies for, pick up and take home, and then take an overdose things when you rip your stomach up and die. Uh, you know, uh, versus injecting, for example, a, a gram of testosterone. It's not going to kill you. Certainly not going to kill you just because you had a gram of testosterone. There's a b- bunch of other factors in there. So you'd, you you could do a stupid amount of human growth hormone, and it's extremely unlikely without a pre-existing medical condition or some contaminant in there, or something gone completely wrong, you know, into the bloodstream, for example, or whatever, that you would fuck up taking growth hormone. Whereas insulin, of course, which we're talking about here at seven IUs a day, you can fuck up on. But as Steve said, the test it, the test did not doesn't seem to have been tested for insulin, and one would assume they would have tested his uh, blood for sugar levels, vis-a-vis hyper or hypoglycemic. Uh, in terms of blood, you know, sugar falling through the floor or going through the roof. And, you know, you can collapse and faint, fall into a coma, Steve, as you know. 
but again, that doesn't seem to be the case. So this is one of us, it's like we're putting our fucking detective hats on here, guys, and we're going down these drugs. We know that are in the system, that we know have been tested for, that we know have been mentioned in autopsy. And then we're looking at the extremes that we'd expect some bodybuilders, not necessarily George, but some bodybuilders we know we've because we've seen them talk, we've seen other reports, and we look for these things and we say, what have they done? What are they doing? The craziest. I mean, give you an example. Steve, this has been mentioned. Rich Piana for on one video sniffing a pre-workout. And then in the photographs of his room when he collapsed and banged his head, uh, there was a suspicious white powder mentioned by the paramedics as being on the bedside table. One that finds it extremely unlikely that he left a pre-workout there for days at a time. So you then start to surmise as to what the, pre, the white powder that was seen in the room. You know, why would you sniff pre-workout? You'd have to be a fucking idiot but he'd probably done it because he got in views and it seems like a stupid thing, hardcore bodybuilder, whatever. So we're looking at all these kind of things, guys. And, we, and, and this is the thing that's kind of the industry struggling. We've got what is a really nice guy, really well liked. And you try to imagine, George just doesn't come across, didn't come across as, an, as, as a guy that was extreme in his behavior. He wasn't doing stupid stuff on video. He wasn't trolling. He wasn't sniffing fucking pre-workout for the views. He doesn't seem to be that kind of person. He comes across really well, well-respected, well-liked, popular guy, much missed. And so it's hard for us to get our heads around and, and try to work out, try to figure what did he do or what was it about George? For example, Steve, and I think you talk about this, you know, is there a pre-existing medical history? Is there a pre-existing genetic markers? Is there stuff that's going on in the family that perhaps George had? Well, I mentioned the business with Robbie Robinson earlier, and I believe that was a family trait. And as I said already, sickle cell, for example, is not, not at all uncommon in Afro-American and Afro-Caribbean athletes or people in general. So you look at those kind of things and you say, right, you know, this is going on and that's going on. Again, this is there's certainly the obvious things that a person conducting an autopsy would test for. On the other hand, as I said just now, he's not going to have too many muscular bodybuilders on his slab, and he's not necessarily going to know some of the things that some athletes do. Perhaps even George may have done in order to stay looking the way that he did in the condition that he was. So it's, 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 it's a difficult thing. We're looking, 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 guys. And I think everybody's searching for an answer. And then this is something else, Steve, which is more of a life lesson for people. And it's one of those old man bits of wisdom for you guys. Sometimes stuff happens. And when it happens like this, especially when it's someone close to you, a friend, a member of the family, a work buddy, something like that, sometimes we look for answers. We search for the why we want to know why this person was so young was taken from us. And sometimes there isn't an answer or the answer is not there for you in the information that's available to you. You can only, you know, sometimes when, uh, if a family comes to talk to you and say such and such has passed away, they're not necessarily going to tell you the bad things about that person. They're only going to remember the good things. 
So they're only going to share the good stories with you. They're not going to share the bad stories. They might mention they won't mention necessarily this could be a secret drinker or a secret drug user or a wife beater. The person's dead. There's no need to bring that kind of stuff up. So they that doesn't get discussed. And sometimes out of respect. But that's not, you know, sometimes it just isn't a simple answer. It could be a combination of things. I mean, an obvious thing here, I think Steve says this in, in his article when he says the autopsy has left me with more questions than answers. You know, we wonder why so many bodybuilders have dropped down dead this year. And, and, and Georgia is probably the only, I think, possibly one more autopsy that we've actually heard of this year, Steve. And, and you, want, you want to know what's the factors with all the other deaths? What have they all done? You know, it's, it's so, so let me, yeah. So if we did an autopsy on every bodybuilder, okay, that was a peer of George Peterson at that level, we would have this, I would make an argument that a percentage of those, maybe 30, 40%, 50%, I don't know, but would would show more things wrong in their body. There would be yes. things like cancer showing up. There would be more steroids showing up. There would see so this well, is why people in fitness yeah. are confused because people in the fitness who know what they're talking about are like, oh, I'm looking at this autopsy. I don't get it. But here's the thing. He probably had issues leading up to this. He probably was dizzy all day, but didn't get medical help. He's like, oh, I don't yeah. want to, <clears throat> I don't want to do it because I don't want I've been training so hard for this competition and stuff. So it goes back to what I was saying before. If we simply had these guys do physicals and get their hearts checked properly ahead of these competitions, we would he would still be alive today. If he had got it checked and a doctor said, nope, something's wrong here. I can't let you compete. You're going to have to come out of the competition. And I need you to go to the hospital and then check your heart and then see, you know, hey, you need to take a break from everything. You need to come off all the steroids. You need to just just relax. You're not going to compete. He'd still be alive today, but putting himself mentally and physically through this horrible thing. And I've been in the Magadimelli competitions. I've talked to these guys after the competitions and their families are just shaking their head. They're like, is it really worth what you just put yourself through? Is it really worth it? What you just put yourself through for a fucking trophy? Yeah. You know, and it's true. It's, it's just, but that's bodybuilding. That's, that's, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, people are going to continue putting themselves through hell. So a uh, couple minutes, uh, we have like one minute left. Mobster, finish out the show and take us to the slim of your final thoughts. I was just thinking, thinking, Steve, we've seen many reports of the last few years, and this is talking about the extremes of the conditioning that guys get them into. I mean, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of someone being ripped the fuck as the next person. And some arguments of the last couple of years is people haven't been getting conditioned. And yet, a few years ago, uh, stories were coming out of every single athlete having to take oxygen behind a curtain at the Olympia uh, because they were hyperventilating, they were getting exhausted and breathing hard because they weren't conditioned enough to hold their poses for long enough because they were, uh, perversely, as amazing as they were looking, they were out of shape. And as Steve quite rightly says, and this is a thing I'll do before I say the show, where uh, mums and dads and, and loved ones have seen someone getting grumpy as they got dry, as they got conditioned, where it was painful for them to walk around, where you know their gums were sore and they, they're just unhealthy and they're paying in certain competitions, $500, $600, $150 for the tan and so on and so forth. 
to be presented with a $4 trophy. And they, they were asked the question that Steve just said, and that is, that, is it worth you being so uncomfortable, so unwell, so out of condition, amazing looking, out of breath for a $4 trophy that everybody got because you didn't win? You've got to ask yourself, and Steve says properly, and I'll finish off on that, Steve, something that you mentioned in the previous show, and you've touched on it just now, which is perhaps the industry needs to start doing these medical tests. It stays, if you're a pro, you pay another $150. Guys, you should be able to afford it if you're a proper pro to go off and contribute towards the cost of randomizing medical tests so that we just don't have this kind of impact on, on, on the industry with guys at 37 fucking years of age dropping down dead the night before a competition. Anyway, guys, as always, we're not doctors, specifically in this particular case, and the opinions that we talk about in this podcast are hours and hours alone. It's our view based on their experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies. (laughs) 